In John, um, throughout John's gospel, scholars and theologians believe that there are seven signs and wonders that Jesus performs. Now we know through all of the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that Jesus is a healer. An important part of his ministry and an important part that draws great crowds around him is the fact that Jesus has the ability to heal people in body, mind, and spirit. But in John's gospel, we don't call these miracles or healings. They're referred to as signs and wonders. A biblical sign in John's gospel is something that aims to do two things, two very simple things. The seven signs that Jesus performs, first, they all seek to ignite faith in other people. Jesus isn't just doing miraculous things so that there's a a spectacle to witness. He's doing them so that people have faith in who he is. The second thing that every one of the seven signs aims to do is reveal something unique about who Christ is. And these seven signs throughout John's gospel each teach us something unique. The first is in John chapter 2, the wedding at Cana, the first sign and wonder in the Gospel of John. Jesus transforms water into wine, and it wasn't just so that there would be a great party. What this reveals about Jesus is that he is the new covenant. The ritual jars for washing represent the old covenant given through the law, and now the water transformed into wine is a foreshadowing of the feast Jesus will celebrate with his disciples as he lifts up the cup, the wine, and he says, this is my blood shed for you. The miracle of water to wine tells us that Jesus is the new covenant. The next two signs in John's gospel are all about healing. While still in Cana, uh, Jesus heals an official son. And then later, the third sign, he heals a man by the, by the pool at, at Bethesda. Both of these signs tell us that Jesus is the great physician. The fourth sign in John's gospel, Jesus takes loaves and fish and he multiplies them and he feeds 5,000 people. And that tells us that Jesus is the bread of life, the one who sustains us, not just with physical hunger, but with spiritual nourishment. And then the fifth sign, Jesus walks on the water. And it tells us that Jesus alone is Lord of creation, that Jesus is the one who can calm the storm, who finds us in the midst of life's chaos when the winds are blowing and the waves are crashing into our boat, that Christ is our peace. Well, today and next week, we explore through the gospel readings the final two signs in John's gospel. Today, in John chapter 9, we have a story that at first glance is just another healing. We we could think that this story also reveals that Jesus is a great physician, the great healer, but something else remarkable is going on here. And before we even look at what this reveals about Jesus, the fascinating thing is that all of John chapter 9, all of those 42 verses are actually showing us through one chapter of the Bible the entire arc and narrative of Jesus' ministry. Consider the story in three acts. 
Jesus is walking along the road with his disciples, and they see a man born blind. And what does Jesus do? He, he draws close to the person in need. He sees the pain, but first he sees the humanity. Did you notice in the reading how Jesus says, I noticed a man born blind, whereas the disciples and everyone else in town, they notice a blind man. They notice the disability. They notice the suffering first. Jesus always first notices the human. And Jesus draws close to the human. He heals him. He blesses him with unmerited grace, with unending favor, and he sends the man on his way. Scene two, Jesus disappears. Last week, Pastor Alex preached about the woman at the well, and he told you that it was the longest conversation Jesus had with anyone in all of Scripture. Do you remember him saying that? Make him feel good. Nod your head. <laughs> this week, this week, this is the longest stretch in any of the Gospels where Jesus is absent from the scene, which is interesting. Verses and verses, Jesus is just gone. And what happens in his absence? People start to argue. They start to speculate. They're divided. They've got lots of opinions. They ask the wrong question. They interrogate the man who can now see. And they ask over and over again, how did he do it? And the man is just plainly telling him, Look, I was blind. He put mud in my eyes. Now I can see. How did he do it? I was blind. He put mud in my eyes. Now I can see. Oh, what an evil thing he did. Right? And then chapter three. Jesus returns on the scene. And what does he do? He goes and he finds the man who was set free. He goes right back to the one that he healed. And this time he offers him the gift of faith. Now consider those three chapters in John's gospel, those three scenes in John's gospel in chapter nine. Are they not the entire arc and narrative of all of the ministry of Jesus? Think about it. What is the story of our, of our Christ? He came to our world to take on our human flesh, God Emmanuel. He drew close to humanity. He walked the roads we walked. He saw the suffering that we suffer, and he draws close to it. He goes all the way to the cross, offering his life for us. It's through the cross we know that we have healing, we have hope. Jesus comes in the grand story of God's salvation to offer us abundant life, freely given, abiding hope, unending peace. And then they crucify him because they argue and they debate and they grow fearful and they want to hold on to their own power. And for a short period of time that must have felt like an eternity to the disciples, Jesus is, is vanished from the scene. They throw him into a cold, dark tomb. Jesus is absent. And then three days later, God raises Jesus from the dead to show the world once and for all that love and life win, that there's nothing you could do in this world that demeans, divides, fractures, or cheapens humanity that will not be overcome by what God has done through the resurrection of Jesus. And when Jesus is raised from the dead in this grand salvation story, what does he do? He goes right back to those disciples whom he's loved, who actually 
abandoned him, denied knowing him, betrayed him, and he offers them peace. John chapter 9 is actually foreshadowing for us what Jesus will do through the grand salvation narrative. But what else does John 9 reveal to us? What does it truly show us about who Jesus is? It shows us that Jesus alone is not just the new covenant. Jesus is not just the grand physician. Jesus is not just the bread of life. He is not just the Lord of creation. He is the light of the world. It's through Jesus alone that we gain true vision, true sight. You see, the remarkable thing about being a disciple, about following Jesus, is that it is counterintuitive wisdom. The wisdom of God, the wisdom of Christ, is that if we want to find our life, then we need to lose our life. It's always when we think that we have life totally figured out, we know where we're going, we think we have clear vision, that we are actually spiritually blind. Consider how Jesus heals this man. This is what I find truly fascinating. All that I've shared so far is interesting, right? But what I, what's really jumped out to me this week as I've been sitting in the text is the question that the people ask the man again and again and again. And I wonder, I wonder if the author of John's gospel isn't trying to reinforce a point here. He's asked five times, how did he do it? How did he heal you? Consider what Jesus does. But first, put yourself in the position of the man born blind. You've been an outcast for all of your life. You've heard people make comments since you were a little child that your condition, your suffering, was directly a result of either your sin or your parents' sin. And as a result of that, you were separated from the other children. And as you grew older, you were um, forced to to beg and and to live on the streets. You you were not a part of a community. You, You probably were fearful, knowing that all you had in your life was your was your hearing. Imagine where he was as he heard a group of people walking down the road again. I can't help but think that he might have been worried that here they come again, ready to taunt me, ready to jeer me. And and then all of that being confirmed when he hears the initial question of the disciples, hey, rabbi, why is this man blind? I mean, certainly it has to be because somebody is broken and did something terrible. Can you imagine what that man is feeling like and the fear and the insecurity that he felt as as this rabbi now and his group of disciples who ask the wrong question are coming over to you. And then as the rabbi addresses you directly, do you want to see again? Are you just making fun of me? What are you doing? And then imagine how outlandish he must have thought it was when this rabbi makes mud, and cakes it over your eyes. What was he thinking? I'm already blind. You're telling me that I'm going to see by covering my eyes even more so? 
And yet out of desperation, I have to believe maybe faith. The man goes and he washes. And can you imagine the elation, the confusion, the bewilderment as now he can see? What is Jesus trying to teach us through mud? Here's what I believe. I believe that Jesus understands that the path first to true vision, to true sight, usually comes through a season of great confusion and disorientation. It would be wonderful, folks, if we could just always see clearly, if we always had vision, if we always knew where we were going, what our next move was. But the reality is, to grow spiritually, to grow in our discipleship, to grow faithfully, usually God takes our eyes with mud for a little while. As I enter into this season as your next senior pastor, I have had so many questions, appropriate questions, right? Through the call process, with church council, among members, among friends. And the question is always this, Pastor Lorne, what is your vision for Good Shepherd Lutheran Church? <laughs> Where do you think we should go? What are the next three moves we ought to make? <laughs> Folks, I've got mud in my eyes. <laughs> this is the reality. This week was a, a wonderful, joyous week at Good Shepherd. But everything is brand new. <laughs> For 10 years, I, I sort of figured my way out at Prince of Peace. I sort of knew all of the people, what made them tick and what ticked them off. <laughs> I don't know any of that about you. I have ideas of what, where God might want to lead us and where God might want to take us, but I want to declare from week one that this partnership is not about following Pastor Lauren's vision. It is about us together going through a season where mud is caked over our eyes because we are in transition. And what happens when your eyes are caked with mud? What are you forced to do? To listen. Together, Good Shepherd, we are going to listen for the still, small, yet powerful voice of God that is directing us where to go, how to love, how to serve, how to be community. This isn't about Pastor Lauren. This is about God. This is about Christ and his love. For if we want to find ourselves, we will lose ourselves over to a vision that is far bigger than a vision that I could come up with or you could come up with. And the good news is we do not walk with mud caked in our eyes alone. We walk hand in hand. And we go toward those waters. Isn't it fascinating that the man is healed through washing? Every week as we walk together, we're going to be oriented around a table and a fawn. These two beautiful sacraments that remind us who we are, whose we are, and what we are called to do in this world. Our mission is to live and love in such a way that other people would realize, recognize, and know that Jesus is the new covenant. Jesus is the great physician. Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus is Lord of creation. Jesus is 
the light of the world. So let's do this work together. Let's do it joyfully. And let's not be filled with fear when we can't always see the way for what we can promise, what we can hold on to is that there is one who is leading the way. And his name is Jesus, the good shepherd, the Lord of life, the Prince of peace, the King of kings, our Alpha and our Omega. May you cling to your faith in the crucified and risen Lord. May you know God loves you and may you learn to know that I do too. Amen.